welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. But hey, I want to I jump into it. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 10, verses 11 through 16. John chapter 10, 11 through 16. And you guys are in a, in a collection of talk, talks. Talks? What was that? Uh, talks. Hey, y'all, um, talks called God's plan. And I want to look at this scripture to set up something that I think has to be an idea. Because all of us in this room, right, here's what we want. We want to know what God's plan is for our life. There's none of us in this room that are like, no, I want to figure it out by myself. You can't figure it out by yourself because you did not make you in the first place. So the only way to figure out what you were truly made for was to come to go to the one that made you and hear him speak to you and then put that into place in your life. Amen? And so listen, I come from the South, so they shout down preachers when they preach. So when I say something good, you can say, that's good, get it, white boy, you're so handsome. Whatever comes out of your mouth, I want you just to go. Shots fired, like whatever. And so what I want you to do, man, is I want you to look at this. John chapter 10, verses 11 through 16. This is Jesus talking. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they do not belong to him. And he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he is working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they knew me, and they know me, just as my father knows me, and I know the father. So I sacrificed my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, too, that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. I love in this moment that Jesus compares himself to a shepherd. Think about this. Jesus could have, he could have compared himself to anybody. He could have been like, I'm like a pharaoh. I'm like a king. I'm like a captain on a boat. Like he could have said anything in this moment. But Jesus chose shepherd. I think there's a couple reasons that Jesus chooses shepherd to describe himself. One, a lot of that culture was like an agrarian culture. So they would have have known what it meant when Jesus said, I'm a shepherd. They would have had mental images of it. That's one of the things I love about Jesus. Jesus talked in a way that people could understand what he was saying. And when Jesus was going after people who did not know anything about the Old Testament or did not understand things about the Old Testament, Jesus would speak to them in a way. And even when Jesus tried to teach people about the New, the new Testament and the, and the new covenant of who Jesus was, he's explaining it in ways that make sense to people. He, he's saying, listen, I'm a shepherd. And he wanted to paint a picture, but I think there's another reason. I think Jesus wanted us to understand that if he's the shepherd, then we have to be the sheep. And if you want to find out God's plan for your life, you need to stay close enough to the shepherd to make sure you recognize his voice when he talks to you. And so many times, I think that we forget that we're the sheep. I think so many times, we want to be the ones that are leading our lives. We want to be the one that's finding our plans for our lives. But really, Jesus said, listen, I'm the shepherd and I have sheep and you are actually some of my sheep. So what I did is I started researching some facts about sheep. And unfortunately, all of us in this room, including myself and especially Pastor Jason, um, we share unflattering characteristics with sheep. And so at first, you're like, oh, sheep are kind of cool. They're awesome. They have some really strange characteristics. And they have some very unflattering characteristics. And so I want to share these with you. And these may not apply to any of you in here. And I would certainly never say this of any of you in here. Let's just imagine that these apply to other people. 
so we don't get offended. You know what I mean? Like when the pastor says something, you're like, I don't like that. Like, so if you don't like that, just I'm saying it about somebody else. But I think in all seriousness, this applies to all of us. I want to give you three characteristics of sheep. The first one is this. Sheep are dumb. They're dumb animals. They just, here's the thing. Sheep, the reason they're dumb is because they will just follow other sheep. In fact, in 2016, 400 sheep walked off of a cliff because the sheep in front of it walked off the cliff. Can you imagine being the shepherd in that moment, being like, it's just one, two, three, oh God, you know what I mean? As you're just seeing all your money go off the side of the, the cliff. So let me ask you something. Have you ever followed somebody into something stupid? Have you ever gotten yourself into a place where you look around and you're trying to figure out like, how did I get here? And the reason that I got here is I dumbly followed somebody into something and I wasn't thinking for myself. Sheep have those same characteristics. And when I was writing the sermon, I'd immediately weirdly brought to mind this story I had not thought of forever. So I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, and there was this creek called Black Creek. And Black Creek's where you would go kneeboarding because wakeboarding was not invented when I was a child yet. And so we'd go kneeboarding or tubing, but it was a real narrow creek. And there were lots of alligators in it and stuff, but we're kind of used to that in Florida, so they don't really bother us. Well, they also had this huge train track that went over the water. And one of my buddies was my best friend. He's seven feet tall, the goofiest human being you've ever seen in your life. He goes, let's go up to the train track and see how high it is. And I'm like, I, I don't like heights, okay? When I ride roller coasters, the worst part of life for me is going up the descent of death. That, they're like, click, click, click. So I go, man, I don't really know. And I try to find a way because I'm like in high school. I'm like, man, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to climb up all that stuff, you know. And really, I'm just terrified of heights. And he goes, come on, let's go. So I go, oh, fine. You ever get to the top of something and then you realize it's a lot higher than you thought it was from the boat that I was looking at? So I'm like on this bridge. I'm doing one of these numbers. My buddy's in his pontoon boat. Hey. So... At this moment, I think to myself, okay, I'm getting off this thing. Let's just go back to the boat. What do you think I hear coming around the corner? A stinking train. In that moment, we quickly assessed that we would not be able to go left or right. The only way to get off of this bridge was to jump off of this bridge in the water. You ever jump off something? And it's so high that you don't even jump out. You just let your knees collapse as you fall <laughs> fearfully into the water. I, my buddy, I come up out of the water thinking I've been shot. And, uh, and he goes, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. He goes, you literally fell for so long that you just quit making noises. He goes, you're just doing like all the way down in the water. That's a stupid example, but a lot of us in here, we follow people dumbly into things. We follow people into situations and we get ourselves into situations, not because we even make the choice to do it, but sometimes we just dumbly follow. Sheep are dumb animals. The next thing about sheep is sheep are directionless. A shepherd can take a sheep, put it in a pasture, and give it absolutely everything that it needs. All the water, all the food, sheep heaven. That sheep will still wander. It'll wander away. You know, I've been a, I've been a pastor for 13 years. I love Jesus with everything in me. I, 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 it changed my life forever. Just like I know it did for a lot of you, but... I still feel in my heart there's times that I find myself wanting to wander away from the things of God. I love God. God has changed my life. I mean, I'm a pastor for goodness sake, but there's still something in me that I still struggle with that wants to draw me and wander away from the things of God. And I'm like a sheep in that moment. 
I can just kind of go wherever and God can put me in the places that he wants to put me in and give me everything that I think I need, everything I think that I like even desires more than anything I've ever desired in my life. And I can still be like, what's this? And I can wander away from the heart of God. One of my favorite songs of all time, and it's an old hymn, is Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And there's a line in it. I actually got this line tattooed on me while I was here because my wife wasn't here and she couldn't stop me. Um, It says this, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. There's just this thing, because what we have to understand is all of us in here, there's this battle going on inside of us, right? There's the spirit of God that's inside of you. There's the Holy Spirit inside of you, but then there's your flesh inside of you, your human nature. And our human nature and the spirit of God are often at war with one another. Because we, we want to do what we want to do, and God wants us to do what God wants us to do. And sometimes, how many of you know, those things don't line up. And so I find these things inside of myself where I just want to wander. I can just find myself kind of aimlessly drifting from the things that God has told me. Sheep are dumb. Sheep are directionless. And the last one is this. Sheep are defenseless. They're defenseless animals. Let me tell you a sentence that you'll never hear in your life. Man, that sheep messed that bear up. Man, did you see that sheep and lion fight? That sheep was awesome. You're never going to hear those sentences in your life. Sheep have no, they can't even run fast. Let me tell you what a sheep's defense mechanism is, because I learned this uh, writing the sermon. Sheep, when, when a predator comes, they just get in a super tight group, just a super tight flock, and then they just run in a circle. That's all they do in a circle. So the sheep's whole defense mechanism is to hope that the sheep on the outside get eaten. If you're an outside sheep, you're a goner. See, we're defenseless. There are some things in your life that you are never going to be able to fight by yourself. The problem is, is we think that we're better at fighting than we are. See, a lot of us in here, there are things that are coming against us, and there are things that are trying to hurt us. There are things that are trying to take us out. There are things that are trying to derail the call of God on our life. And what we want to do is we want to stand up and fight it like we can do it by ourselves. Listen, you weren't meant to fight it by yourself. You were meant to be in a relationship with the one who can fight it for you. And so we have to understand that there are these characteristics. And I think what Jesus is saying to us in this moment, I'm the shepherd, you're the sheep. You make some dumb choices. Sometimes you're directionless and you wander away from the things of God and you really can't defend yourself the way that you think you can. So the hope is this, though. We're not sheep without a shepherd. We're not sheep that are out on the countryside just kind of wandering around trying to figure out how to do it on our own. We are sheep with a shepherd. And Jesus says about himself that he is the good shepherd. And he has come, and he has come so that we can follow him. And if you want to find out God's plan for your life, you need to continually be putting yourself in a place where when the Father speaks to you, when the Good Shepherd speaks to you, you recognize his voice. See, a lot of us in here, we are are accepting cheap substitutes for the voice of God in our life. Because here's the thing, listen, things can make you feel good for a while, can't they? Things can numb pain, things can heal hurts, things can make you feel a certain way. And trust me, I did this for a long time in my life. I've been married for 14 years with a 15-year-old son. If you can do the math, I wasn't always serving the Lord. And so there were things that I found as cheap substitutes to help heal the wounds in my life, but they were just cheap substitutes. There were things and reason and ways that I tried to find God's plan or my plan for my life. And it was always a cheap substitute of what God was really calling me to. And if you want to find out God's plan for your life, you need to follow the good shepherd. 
You need to walk with them. And here's what I want to do. I want to give you four things the good shepherd does for his sheep. And here's what I want to give these to you. I want to give these to you that in hopes the next time that you go to follow someone blindly, that you find yourself a little lost, a little wandering, the next time that you find something coming against you, the next time you're trying to find your purpose, that you would hold on to these qualities about our shepherd, about our Jesus, who came and who leads us and cares for us and died on the cross for us. And here's what I would encourage you. I carry this in my, uh, my back pocket. It's my wallet, and I have a little journal in it with scriptures and thoughts written down and things that stick out to me and moments where God's marked me. Because there's going to be days in your life where you're not going to remember, able, be able to recall what God has spoken to you in this moment. And sometimes what we need to do to get to where God is calling us is we need to remember where he's brought us from. And sometimes we got to write that stuff down. Sometimes we got to remember that stuff because, listen, my little girl's special needs. She's in a wheelchair. She has a tracheostomy, a feeding tube. We have nurses that stay at our house at night. She sleeps on a ventilator. She's mentally all there. She is 10 years old, and she has an attitude problem. And so she's the sweetest thing in the world. But it's scary, and it's hard. And sometimes in those moments, what gets me through those moments isn't my strength in that current circumstance. It's remembering where God, what God has done for me in the past. And so some of you, I want to give you these four characteristics of the good shepherd because there's going to be a day where you're going to need to remember what Jesus is to you. He's the good shepherd. The first thing that the good shepherd does is the good shepherd knows his sheep. The good shepherd knows his sheep. Now, when I think of a shepherd with a flock of sheep, if I was to go up to a shepherd and say, hey, tell me about your sheep, he would be like, these are my sheep. These are all of my sheep. This is the entire flock. I don't think that a shepherd knows the sheep individualistically. I don't think he's like, this is Terry and Brenda and Sam. He's a nibbler. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if he like, I don't, I don't know if they like know them individually. They, maybe they do, but here's what then I do. I take that same mindset and I place it on God. That God doesn't sometimes know us individualistically. That God just knows us communally. Like as he looks down right now in this moment, we just, do we, all, do we sometimes lose how individualistically that God knows us? Do we sometimes just think that when God looks at the world and he sees all of his sons and daughters of Christians, he says, these are all my sons and daughters. And I can take that, I can take that thought, not meaning to, knowing that that's not the right thing, but I can place it on God. And when you feel like God only sees you in a congregational or kind of a community setting, he doesn't see you as an individual, it can sometimes be a little disturbing that when you go through hard times, you don't think the shepherd knows what you're going through. You don't think that shepherd hears your prayers. And listen, I have a lot, I've had a lot of dark nights of the soul with my daughter. With, she had a surgery this summer that she put two rods and eight screws in her back. She was in recovery for a month. Let me tell you something. Those are those prayers at night where you're crying and you're weeping and you don't necessarily feel like God hears you. But the truth is that when God looks at us, he doesn't see us as just this big community of believers. He sees you individualistically. He sees you as you are. Listen, I want to read this to you again. This was what we just looked at, John 10, 14 through 15. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. So Jesus is saying, I know my sheep the same way that God knows me and I know God. Let me ask you something. How well do you think God and Jesus know each other? Probably pretty intimately. 
probably everything about Jesus God knows and probably a lot about God Jesus knows. They know each other intimately, and I want you to understand that that's the same way that God knows you. That's the same way that Jesus knows you. Those thoughts that you have that you're afraid to share with anybody else, those hurts and those wounds that you have that you somehow just keep kind of pushing down, Jesus knows about them. Those nights where you lay awake in bed and you can't fall asleep because your mind won't shut off, he knows those thoughts. He knows those moments. He knows those fears. He knows those words. He knows that the, the plan that you desire to find. He knows you intimately. Listen to what it says, and Pastor Jason actually read this uh, at the team rally this morning, or the dream team rally. It says this, Psalm 139, 1 through 6. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. Not some things, not just a few things. He knows everything about you. That's what I always tell people. Like, you know, church should always be the place where you can walk in these doors no matter how you are and be open with God because he already knows it anyway. Why do we try to dress things up when we come to God when God already knows how we feel anyway? God wants you to come to him exactly who you are. See, all of us in here, we have a person that we project ourselves to be, and we have a person that we really are. Jesus did not die for the person that you project yourself to be. Jesus died for really who you are. And listen, when he went to the cross, he knew the mess that we would be right now. And he still went to the cross for us. So there's no part in the Bible where Jesus says, okay, well, first you've got to clean yourself up and say the right things, the these and the thous and all that, and speak holy to me to come to me. Jesus says, just come to me. Just come to me with all your issues. Come to me with all your struggles. There's a band called the Avett Brothers uh, that I really love, and I don't know if this will mess with some of you, but there's a line in one of their songs that I've always felt weirdly comforting. He says, sometimes I use cuss words when I pray. God wants you really who you are. He wants you to come to him in your brokenness, in your struggles, in your hurts, and just be real with him. It says this, oh Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord, which always begs me the question, please stop me, God. Stop me before I say these things. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. The good shepherd knows his sheep. The second thing the good shepherd does is the good shepherd provides for his sheep. The good shepherd provides for his sheep. You know, I think sometimes, and I can only speak to the men in this room because obviously I'm super manly, and uh, don't judge me. And, um, and I think sometimes when I used to hear this before I was saved or back in the church, God provides. There was this, always this part of me that said, I earned this. I hustled for this. I went to school for this. I studied for this. I, I did my job for this. So, no, God has not provided for me. I've worked this hard. But here's what I was always forgetting. Who gave me the abilities in the first place to study and to work and to learn and to do the things that I'm able to do to make the income or to live the life that God has called me to live? It's always Jesus. And the fact that you and I even wake up this morning with breath in our lungs is a gift from God. So if we really want to always track it back, nothing we have we would ever be able to have without the good shepherd providing it for us. It's always God giving it to us. This is what it says here, Psalm 23, 1 through 4. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. So you lack nothing. That means that he's going to give you what you need. Now where we get confused is we get confused between wants and needs. It doesn't say he's going to always give you your wants. It does say he'll give you your needs. He's going to meet all of your needs. 
But we have to always come back to this place that your timing and God's timing may not be the same thing. And a blessing too early is not a blessing at all, but a curse. He said he will give you what you need. He will give you your needs. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. So also, not only does he provide for you your needs, he also provides rest for you. A rest that can only come from God. Anybody ever go on vacation and when you get back, you're more tired than when you left? And you're like, I need a vacation from vacation. Let me tell you what I'm really good at I've learned in life. I'm really good at distractions. I like to um, do a lot of outdoor stuff. And, um, and I got into it because I needed something to help me relax. Because I was working and building a church and two kids and one of them special needs. And so I started having like anxiety issues and panic attacks and all that stuff. One of my buddies came to me and said, you need to get a hobby. I said, okay, I'm going to get a hobby. So I got into hunting and fishing and a bunch of redneck things. And, um, and uh, <laughs> that's what I do. And uh, this is a beautiful creature. I want to shoot it. Um, just playing. <laughs> and so... <laughs> So like, so I got into this stuff, but let me tell you something. Here, here's what I've learned in it. Here's what I've learned. That's not soul rest. That's distraction. I'm really good at distractions. And so it's amazing to me that sometimes I can spend 10 to 15 minutes in worship alone by myself. And my soul feels like I've been on vacation for three weeks. Because God is able to give us a rest that doesn't make sense that we cannot get anywhere else. He provides rest for you. It goes on to say this. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. So God's plan is found by the good shepherd, by God leading you down the path for his name's sake. So you want to find out what it is that you're created for. You want to find out God's plan for your life. You want to find out all the things that God has for you and planned for you and created you for. You find it by being close to the shepherd. He provides the direction for you. And finally, it says this. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So he comforts you. You know, Pastor Jason, I went to um, pray for Delilah and that family yesterday. And it's the first time that I've been in a NICU, a newborn intensive care unit, since my daughter was in the NICU. And she was in there for three months. And... It was just one of those moments that I remembered how comforting the power of God is in your life. And there are times, and I look at that stuff, and some of you in here maybe look at that and you hear stories and you think to yourself, I could never go through that. I, I, I'm not strong enough to walk through that. I don't think God gives you the comfort you need until you need it. And I think that it's when you step into those moments, there's, there's comfort that God comes around you and gives you. He provides for his sheep. And I don't know about you, but that is an encouraging thing to me, that it is not on Josh Turner to provide for himself. It's on the good shepherd to provide for me. The third thing is this. The good shepherd, he protects his sheep. He provides, he protects. So there's something that shepherds use called a shepherd's rod. A lot of us, when we think of shepherds, we think of like the old shepherd's hook, big cane with the hook on it. But there's also something shepherds would use called a shepherd's rod. It's basically a long rod with like a big knot on the end of it. And what they would use is they would use that to fight off predators coming against their flock. 
If a predator was coming toward the flock, the shepherd would step in between the predator and the, the flock, and he would take out his shepherd's rod and be like, let's do this. And so that's how he would protect his flock. And what we have to understand is that there are going to be things just like the sheep have that come against them, they're going to come against us. There are things just like, because here's what we always have to remember. You were made in the image of God, so the devil hates you. He doesn't want you to stub your toe or get a flat tire. You were made in the image of the one that cast him out of heaven. And what the devil knows is that when God created you, Psalms 139, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. You were knit together in your mother's womb. That God watched you as you were formed in the utter depths of seclusion. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. So what the devil knows is that when God created you, he created you with a purpose and a plan. And not only that, but you were also made... In the image of God, male and female. And what the devil knows is that if you step into who it is that God has called you to be, there is nothing he can do to stop you. So there are going to be some things that he sends your way. There are going to be some things that try to derail you. There are going to be some things that try to hurt you because you are too much of a... You plus Jesus is always more than anything. And so listen to this. I want you to read this because some of the things that come against us, we need to remember they're not flesh and blood. It says this in Ephesians 6.12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That's a heavy verse, isn't it? That's one of those verses you read and you're like, I don't like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I like Jesus dying for me, not evil spirits. But the reality is, is guys, we live in a fallen and a sinful and broken world. And there are going to be things that try to take us out. There are going to be things that try to derail us. There will be things that the enemy wants to use to stop you from stepping into who it is God has made you to be. And we've got to remember that we have a good shepherd. And he didn't step in between us and those predators with a rod. He stepped in between us and our predators with a cross. And he actually protected us when we could not even protect ourselves. He protected us when we didn't even know we needed protecting And that's what the good shepherd does. And so what it does is I want to encourage you that now when things come against you in life, you don't have to stand back like you're in a fight from defense. You get to plan. You get to stay and stand in a place of victory knowing that God and Jesus have already defeated the devil and there is no weapon that is formed against you that will ever prosper. Not because we're that great or we're that strong, but because Jesus is that great and Jesus is that strong. And here's what we always have to remember. And sometimes this messes people up, but... There is nothing that happens on this earth that the sovereignty of God does not allow. And so everything, you have to understand that everything, God is in it. God is with you. His hand is not off of us. He knows exactly where it is that you are, and he has already protected you. The God, God and the devil, they're not fighting for equality in this moment. The battle is done. Jesus won that thing. He won it by what he did on the cross, so you have to remember this. Here's what I want you to remember. The next time something comes against you, the next time something tries to derail you, The next time something tries to hurt you, I want you to mentally picture Jesus stepping in between you and that thing being like, I got you. Let's roll. I've already defeated this. Nothing will prosper against you. The good shepherd protects his sheep. And the last thing is this. The good shepherd rescues his sheep. So what's crazy, we talked about sheep wandering and how sheep will wander. So when sheep wander, what's very interesting is most sheep do not know that they're in a dangerous place until they try to return to the safe ground. 
Don't we do the same thing? Aren't there times where we can wander, we can follow the crowd, and we don't, know, we don't realize how far we've gone or how unsafe we are until we try to get back to where we used to be, until we try to get back to the safe ground? And it's in those moments that the sheep realize that they cannot save themselves. They cannot get themselves out of the situation that they wandered into themselves. And so that's when they start bleeding. That's when they start making their noises, whatever. And the shepherd goes and looks. And the Bible also says that the good shepherd, he will leave the 99 for the one. That he'll go after him. He'll rescue him. And that shepherd will go and he'll pick that sheep up. He'll use his staff. He'll use his whatever. And he'll put it back on solid ground. He rescues us. And sometimes he rescues us when we don't even know that we need rescuing. I was in, um, probably about four or five weeks ago, I was in Paris. We, we just launched a church in Paris, and uh, Paris, France, not Paris, Texas. And, um, and so I was over there uh, for the launch of it, and I kind of help oversee it. I was just over there to support the pastor, Gabriel, our, our, our pastor, and he's from the Congo. He's been in French for 14 years, and so the church is insanely diverse. And so I'm out front after service, and this young kid comes up to me. I can tell he's from the Middle East. And he's like, Pastor Josh. I'm like, yes. You ever been around someone like, they're so excited. Like, you're excited now, but you don't know what you're excited about yet. Like, that was this kid. Like, he was just like, Pastor Josh. I'm like, yeah. Like, high-fiving him. I'm like, what's going on? And uh, he said, how do you determine where you do churches? How do you determine where to do them? How did you determine Paris? I said, well, you know, me and Pastor Gabriel met. We went through kind of a year and a half process. Felt like he was the right guy. And we felt like Paris was the right fit. So, man, we launched a church in Paris today. He goes, I have a place that you need to come do a church. I said, okay, where is it? He goes, Algeria. I go, I don't think that's God uh, in this. I'm a good missionary to Paris. You know what I mean? Send me, Lord. Here I am. And um, I said, why Algeria? He goes, goes, that's where I'm from. He said, that's where my whole family is. That's where all my friends were. He said, everybody's Muslim. Everybody. I said, okay. I said, well, dude, I go, if you're... If, you're, if your whole family and all your friends are Christians or Muslims, how did you become a Christian? Because he also told me that he had to hide his faith for two years because he was afraid that some of his family or his friends would kill him because he denounced the Muslim faith. So I'm like, dude, how did you, how did you become a Christian? He goes, he goes, man, it sounds crazy. He said, one day I saw the Bible. He said, I just picked up the Bible. He said, for some reason, I flipped to the book of Matthew. He said, I just started reading the book of Matthew. He said, you know, the Quran talks about Jesus. I said, yeah, I know the Quran talks about Jesus. He said, but he said, Josh, he goes, when I was reading this, when I was reading the book of Matthew, when I was reading the Bible, he said, there was something in me that said, this is the real Jesus. This is the one that died for me. This is the one that gave his life for me. See, Jesus rescued that young man when that young man didn't even know he needed to be rescued. He went after him. There's some of you in here, maybe you came into this school today and you thought you're going to go to church. And, you know, at least in the South, what happens is, is a lot of people go to church because it's the box that you check. You just, you go, what do you do? You just go to church. So we go to church and we go to church sometimes to feel better about ourselves or because we feel like God's like, okay, all sin's gone now, or whatever the case may be. But you're in here, and what Jesus is saying to you in this moment is, let me rescue you. 
you, you've wandered into some places that you can't get yourself out of. Let me rescue you. And the way that Jesus rescued us is he went to the cross for us. And the Bible says that all have sinned and all have fallen short of God's glory. And what that means is that every person on this earth who has ever lived except for Jesus has sins and we cannot save ourselves, we cannot rescue ourselves. And when we couldn't rescue ourselves, Jesus said, I'm gonna rescue you. Even when you don't know you need it, I'm gonna rescue you. And the Bible tells us that when we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who was crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected for us, in that moment, you are now not only saved from hell, but you are reconciled to God. So now you are able to have a full relationship with the God of the universe who spoke the stars into existence and holds the oceans at its borders. And you're able to have that because of Jesus, because of what he did. There's no steps, there's no whatever. Jesus says, you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that I am the son of God. And in that moment, you're saved. And that's when Jesus steps into your life, the good shepherd. He helps you find your plan. He directs your path. He starts providing for you. He starts protecting you against things that you cannot protect yourself against. And he knows you. He knows you like nobody else will ever know you in your life and he still went to the cross because all of us in here probably have some weird thoughts at times he said I know about those I know that struggle I know that heartache I know that pain I know that fear I know that worry I know all that about you and I don't look at you any differently in fact I love you just the way that you are and I want you to come to me and we're going to help you some of this stuff and we're going to redeem some of this stuff not only so that I can do a work in you, but so I can do a work also in other people through you. He's the good shepherd. But here's what I want to do, and I know that y'all don't do this a lot at Sozo, but I want, I want to give you a chance in this moment to, to really kind of raise your hand and respond if Jesus is saying something to you. I remember when I got saved. I remember the moment that I raised my hand and my life changed forever. It was a process. It's not like a, you know, Jesus isn't the cosmic Coke machine but it's a process. Here's all I'm asking you this morning. Just take one step. And that step is Jesus. Guys, I've lived on both sides of the fence. And I can promise you, there is no life that will ever compare to the life that Jesus Christ has planned you for. So I'm just gonna ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads with me in this moment. If you're in here and you would just say this, Josh, I want to commit or recommit my life to Jesus. I want to make a decision right now and ask the good shepherd to rescue me. I've wandered into some places and I can't rescue myself. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to count to three. And all I'm going to do is ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you forward. Pastor Jason's not going to come dance with a tambourine around you. Like just, I want you to raise your hand. And here's why. I want you to remember this moment. And I think sometimes when we take a physical step of something or a physical action of something, it helps us remember the moment in our life. So if you're in this place this morning, you'll say, Josh, I just need to commit or recommit my life to Jesus. I need Jesus to save me, to rescue me. I'm gonna count to three. I just want you to raise your hand and that's it. One, 
two, three. Praise him. Amen. 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 You guys can put those down. Thank you. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus. God, we thank you that he is the good shepherd, that he provides for us, that he knows us, that he protects us, that he rescues us. Thank you, God, for Jesus. And guys, I'm going to say a prayer right now, and I don't want you to repeat it out loud. You can just say it to yourself. I just want to give you some words to kind of help articulate what's going on in your life. And church, let's just all kind of do this together as a statement of faith. God, I thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. And God, right now in this moment, I ask for your son, Jesus, to save me. God, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is the only son of God who was crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected for me. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for me. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Jesus, I ask you to be the Lord of my life. And I pray all of these things in your holy name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us each week on the podcast or live in San Francisco, California. Keep up with life at Sozo Church by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.